everybody. Uh, welcome into the first episode of Sports Insight with uh, Single A Double M on this cold, rainy uh, Sunday. And I'm joined here by Micah Day, uh, Austin Conan, and myself, Mark Karstens, on this podcast. And how are we all doing through this coronavirus pandemic? How, how are we all doing today? Doing good. Doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for asking. I'm doing awesome. pretty good as well. All right. So today within our podcast, we will lay out salary issues between men's and women's sports, explain and define the topic of pay equality issues in sports, explain history of salaries over time, explain LeBron James' motto, more than an athlete, and how this relates to our topic, and talk about why people should care about our topic and why the topic issue is important. So I want to explain and define the term pay equality issues in sports. And according to equalityhumanrights.com, equal pay is defined as men and women in the same employment performing equal work must receive equal pay as set out in the Equality Act 2010. And while this definition is how it's supposed to be in society, in many cases it's not. Shanae Ogumbwe, a WNBA player, who we'll discuss later in our podcast, has expressed her disappointment that women aren't getting the same amount of pay in their respective sports as men. And star NBA player LeBron James started a catchy model more than an athlete. And this model started back in 2018. And the goal of his model was that athletes as a whole not only want to be compensated for their hard work and dedication, but want to be seen as more than an athlete. And this really puts a scope on our topic as a whole. And now Austin will talk a little bit about us with the, or talk a little bit about catching up uh, on our topic. Okay. So first I'm going to give you guys our intended audience. We kind of thought of individuals who are interested in sports with an age group of around 18 to 50 years old. We also like them to have a general knowledge of what's going on in the sports world and with them having that great knowledge of sports we believe they will understand like why pay issues are a big problem in the sports world today and also they'll understand what all these athletes are going through and also lastly we will touch on why the issue of salaries and pay has become such a big ordeal in the sports world today so now i'll be talking to you guys a little bit about salary cap fluctuation. So our first topic in this podcast will be about salary cap fluctuation, such as how it works, what it is, and why it's important to discuss with pay issues in sports. Also, we will touch on how sports league or what sports leagues are most affected by this and the impact it has on the sports leagues as a whole. So first I'll be defining what exactly this is and basically it's how much a team can spend on its players and in other another way to think of it is a salary cap puts in puts a upper and lower bound on a club's payroll so a neat fact to start this off is the first sports league to implement this was the nba in 1984 the 1984 to 1985 season and, but also this isn't, so this 
this is important with pay issues because of the word fluctuation. It's always, it is always a varying, it's always varying every year. The value in players change every year based on their age and their injuries. And this starts to get, this starts to get players frustrated because they feel they are worth more than they're being offered. And also another interesting point about this is the difference in how much each league's teams have to spend on players every year vary tremendously, such as the NBA and NFL. And for example, in 2009 for the NFL, their uh, salary cap was set at $128 million for a 53-man roster. And for the NBA in their 2008 season, it was approximately $59 million per year or uh, per team. And the difference between that would be $69 million, which is crazy to think about. But it's, like, it's understandable because of the amount of players on each roster. All made about $100,000 salaries. Starting in the early 1900s, pay salaries have changed a significant amount in the sports. The most successful, Ty Cobb, who was considered the GOAT in the MLB, made little to nothing. Back then, in his career, he made about $500,000 throughout his whole entirety of his career, equivalent to $3 million today. Uh, now we're going to have my colleague Wyatt here. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing excellent, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. So would you say you're a pretty big sports fan, Wyatt? Uh, sports has been a huge uh, asset, facet of my life, uh, as far as I can remember, both playing and watching and something that I've always connected with and truly loved. And who are you a sports fan of? Uh, I was born in Boston, so pretty much every uh, Boston team, you're going to get a pretty big response out of me outside of the New England Patriots, in which case I am a Green Bay Packers fan. My dad grew up in Wisconsin, so again, one of the ways when I grew up with him was just watching the Packer game every Sunday, even though we didn't live in Wisconsin. Okay, okay. Um, so the first question I have for you today is, can you think of any specific athletes that have outwardly discussed pay discrepancies in their respective sports? I mean, there's always going to be a lot of different people uh, who have an opinion on this because it does have direct impact on their lives and their, you know, loved ones' lives. But uh, the best one for me that I can think of is the United States uh, women's national team for soccer. Uh, it's been a, a huge discussion over the past couple of years as to whether or not they deserve more money, seeing as they are really one of the most successful sporting teams male or female in uh you know world history they're just they're dominant unlike any other sport yep that's something that we will discuss in our website actually um what how, what did you think about that or like how did you make how does that like make you feel knowing that uh women that have made a big change for our sports world don't get as much recognition as some others um well for me I think everybody can agree with the simple concept that, you know, the people that we care about, you know, all these women that we care about in our own lives, they deserve everything that our male counterparts do. And at the end of the day, uh, it's very easy to say, yes, they deserve the money. They deserve uh, the pay raise. They deserve the admiration. Uh, but when you break it down to the nitty gritty, um, sometimes it comes down to just viewership and the fact that you aren't getting enough. But at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that percentages don't really lie. And while we may not be able to have $30 million contracts for WNBA athletes or soccer players, uh, we can for sure do something to make it 
at least uh, something they can focus their entire year on. They don't have to go to different leagues or, you know, get side jobs outside of the season. And I think that as a whole, women do deserve a pay raise almost unilaterally across the sporting world. I would agree. I would agree. Um, And then last question I got for you. Um, What do you think is something that's stuck out to you or comes to mind right away uh, for how much salaries have changed in both men's and women's sports? Uh, Just like in the rest of the business world, um, you know, you're going to have yearly changes just due to the simple fact that, you know, inflation and all the different complex economic factors. But with uh, men's and women's sports, I would say over the past 10 years, I've seen what I would call um, a rise, especially in men's sports uh, more so, with these uh, massive, almost unreasonable contracts that don't necessarily make sense when you really break it down. You have people like Chris Paul, an aging point guard, uh, you know, making $45 million a year, when in reality, all he's doing is, you know, dribbling a ball and playing a sport that even if he wasn't getting paid, he would probably pay anyway. It's just one of those things where we're getting to the point now and the media circus of, you know, the 2020s that all that it really comes down to is people want to watch, people want to subscribe, people want to be a part of it. And uh, when you're making, I think it's roughly eight and a half billion dollars a year as the, as the NBA, excuse me, um, you can afford to pay them obnoxious, obscene salaries. And if we enjoy, you know, watching do it, it's probably going to continue. It's just going to keep getting worse. Well, thanks, Wyatt, for joining our podcast today uh, and giving us some more insight on the topic. Uh, We're going to take you guys back to Mark now. Talked about different pay issues between genders in the respective sports leagues, along with touching on the LeBron James motto of more than an athlete. Uh, Additionally, we talked about player holdouts and how they work and some examples of athletes in the past who have used this tactic. And we also dove into salary cap fluctuation and gave some information as to how it works. And lastly, gave some history and development of sports pay discrepancies within the topic. And we'd like to thank uh, Wyatt also as well for coming in today and spending a little time being interviewed, talking about uh, the history and development of sports uh, and pay issues within sports. And we'd like everyone, or we'd like to thank everyone for listening. hearing all our opinions. Uh, We really appreciate that and hope you all have a great rest of your day. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Uh, Tiger Woods made in his best year on the golf course, which was approximately 21 million. Today, players try to get the highest salaries possible because they know they can get top dollar. In 2005, Alex Rodriguez, a a famous New York Yankees baseball player, made a whopping 26 million in a single season, fielding ground balls and hitting baseballs. Crazy to see such a massive change over the last 50 years. Uh, also to discuss on the woman's side, uh, women have been playing what is considered pro sports since about the early 1900s as well, but only a couple uh, sports were implemented into the Olympics, like lawn tennis and golf. It wasn't until 2014 that more sports were added, and now men and women can compete in all the same Olympic sporting events. Uh, one of our greatest athletes of all time Serena Williams uh, who according to Forbes is the most popular pro female athlete doesn't even get near what the highest paid male athlete does and a matter of fact she's only only woman in the top 100 as of 2019 coming in at number 63 
There are five other tennis players on the list, including herself, and all others are ranked higher than her, the highest being Roger Federer, who makes $93.4 million in total in comparison to Serena's $29.2 million. Uh, now looking at the NBA compared to the WNBA, uh, NBA athletes make about 50% of the revenue that is brought in, whereas female athletes are made about make about 25% in the WNBA uh, making the point that women are not asking for the lump sum of money that LeBron James or Steph Curry are bringing in, but making it clear that the same percentages and the benefits would do just fine. The market isn't the same in women's sports as with men's and the fan support isn't even close to that for something like the Super Bowl. Is it really too hard to ask for women to receive fair pay for putting in equal work for the same exact sport as men? Now that you guys understand a little bit about salary cap fluctuation and how it works, next, Mark will be discussing our next topic, which will be diving into player holdouts. Oh, thank you, Austin. So our second main topic uh, is regarding player holdouts in different professional sports leagues. And within the podcast, I'll give a few examples of players who have held out in different sports leagues, as well as define the term. In defining holdouts, as an occurrence when a player unsatisfied with his or her current contract or a contract offer made by a team refuses to play. And players use this holdout as a play to obtain more favorable contract terms. And holdouts typically are short-lived and settled quickly. However, in rare circumstances, neither, play, neither side budges and the players end up sitting out all or part of, this, all or part of a season. And in the NFL, two names who made big headlines pertaining to this were Le'Veon Bell, a Pittsburgh Steelers running back at the time of his holdout, and Melvin Gordon, a running back who played for the Los Angeles Chargers at the time of his holdout. And Pittsburgh offered Le'Veon Bell a five-year, $70 million deal that looked pretty appealing and pleasing uh, from a distance. However, if you read more into the lines of the contract, it wasn't all that fantastic because very little of that $70 million was guaranteed to Le'Veon Bell. Only about a fourth was guaranteed to him of that $70 million. And he ended up sitting out the whole year um, due to seeing players like Todd Gurley, uh, other Pro Bowl running backs, uh, getting like $45 million in guarantees versus Le'Veon Bell, who was going to get around $25 million in guarantees. Uh, and an example of another example in the NFL is Melvin Gordon, uh, who was looking to get about $13 million a year and Los Angeles chargers were only offering him about $8 million a year. Um, so there was a big gap between the two sides and that's kind of what led to the holdout before Gordon came back later in the season, uh, to play for the chargers. And in the NBA, Andre Iguodala, uh, was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies at, uh, at getting a one-year $17 million deal. Uh, but before the season began, uh, he had a contract or he started a contract holdout because he didn't want to play for the Grizzlies anymore and he wanted to be traded. And the Grizzlies are a small market team and don't have many star players. So they're largely, so they have largely factored into, or that's largely factored into why Iguodala wanted to hold out. 
And he ended up sitting out half a season until he got waived and signed with another team. And these are just a couple examples of players holding out from their respective teams. And player holdouts relates back to our topic of pay equity issues in sports due to many athletes uh, being unhappy, seeing that other players on their team that play different positions are getting more money than them and are getting their lives taken care of for them more than they're getting. And it's just kind of almost a jealousy thing. And yeah, that's kind of a big reason behind player holdouts being an issue with pay equity. And next, Micah will discuss history and gender pay differences in sports. Thanks, Mark. Uh, what's up, everybody? Uh, I will be taking you through our portion of the podcast and discussing history of pay issues in sports. I am also joined here today with my colleague, Wyatt, who we will talk to here in a little bit. Um, money discussions happen every year and becomes a bigger issue as the years go on. The difference between now and when salary cap was millions of dollars versus back when uh, roughly around in the 1910s when it was between about six figures a year uh, we see is a has been a big difference uh, also be covering the differences in men's and women's sports and the gap between the two that makes a good argument for why women may deserve more uh, beginning with when sports started money wasn't as big of a factor to get players to want to play. It was for the love of the game and the respect of the sport. All-time greats who are in the Hall of Fame, like Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Stan Musil, and Bob Feller, all made about $100.